Welcome back to Shnai Mikra, the OU podcast series on Parshat HaShavua. This is Menachem Nittag, and in today's year, we conclude our study of Parshat A with Shvi, the seventh Aliyah. We are towards the end of chapter 15, Perak Tedvav in Sefer Dvarim. We begin with Pasuk Yotet, verse 19, with the section called Kol Abachor, a section of Chumash that those Jews living in Chutzlaretz are very familiar with because it is read on every Yom Tov. It's read on the last day, the eighth day of Pesach, which of course is not celebrated in the land of Israel. It is read on the second day of Shavuot, which again is not celebrated in the land of Israel. And it is read on the first day of Shemini Atzeret, which is not read in Eretz Yisrael, because on Shemini Atzeret in the land of Israel is also Simchat Torah, and we read from Vezot Abracha. Later, towards the end of our share, we'll try to suggest the reason why specifically this section was chosen to be read on all of the Yom Tovim and all the holidays when we keep today's Yom Tov in Chutz Laretz and not in the land of Israel. But let's begin our study of Kol Abachor and we'll see how it relates to the various themes that we've studied so far in our study of Parshat A, especially in regard to HaMakom HaShuyiv Har Hashem, to the place that God has chosen to make His name known. That was the first topic in Parshat A, where Am Yisrael is commanded that once they conquer the land, they must establish that national center. Now we're going to see another set of mitzvot that relate to what takes place at that center and how that will affect the society that God wants us to create in the land that He's giving to us. Pasuk Yotet, verse 19. Kol abachor, asher yivaleid biv karcha, uvitzoncha hazachar, taktish ladonai elohecha. Any firstborn animal that is a male, that is born in your cattle or to your sheep, they must be dedicated to Hashem your God. You cannot use the firstborn of your cattle, that is an ox, to plow your field. Nor can you use the firstborn of your sheep in order to grow wool, and therefore you cannot share the wool of the sheep, nor can you use the ox to plow your field. What do we do with these animals instead? You must take those animals and bring them to the place that God has chosen. The Beit HaMikdash is always referred to as HaMakom HaShuyiv Chal HaShem LaShaken Sham that we've seen many times in Parshat Re. There you must eat it together with your household. Now, there's an apparent contradiction between the law here in Parshat Re and the law back in Parshat Korach with the Matot Kuna, with the different gifts that were given to the Kohanim. There we're told that the firstborn is given to the Kohanim in the Beit HaMikdash. Most Parshanim explain, here we bring our firstborn to Yerushalayim and there it will be eaten by the Kohanim, who we have to give it to. Sefer Dvarim is focusing on what needs to be brought to HaMakom HaShuyiv Har Hashem, to the items that need to be brought in Yerushalayim, eaten there either by the owners or by the Kohanim. In Sefer Bamidbar, after the story of Korach, there the topic was, what are the presents that the Kohanim receive? And therefore, that law is going to be the focus in Parshat Korach, and the law that relates to what has to go to Yerushalayim will be the topic in Parshat Re in Sefer Dvarim. Pasach of Allah, verse 21, the chi yevomum piseach oiver, should this animal have a mum in it? For example, it is limping, or it might be blind. Ko mumra, any blemish, which is bad. Lotis bachenu ladunai lohecha. Do not offer it and sacrifice it to Hashem your God. Instead, bisharecha tochelenu, you can eat that animal, even though it's a firstborn, because it has a blemish, you can eat it in the gates of your city. Hatamei vator yachdav katsvi v'chayao. You can eat it whether you're clean or unclean, tamer tohor, just like it is permitted to eat the meat of a deer or a gazelle. Raket tochel, but if you eat the animal in the gates of your city because it has a blemish, 
we still have to keep the law that is forbidden to eat the blood of the animal, therefore do not eat its blood. Just like we learned before, the blood must be poured onto the ground because had this bit a sacrifice, the blood would have gone on the altar. As we explained earlier, the dam is the nefesh, the soul of the animal is in the blood and we don't eat the meat together with the dam. Another reason why the law of the firstborn is brought here may go back to what we saw in the beginning of chapter 12 when we first introduced the topic of HaMakom HaShiv HaRashem. There we learn in Pasuk Vav, Ve'vetem Shama Odotechem V'zivchechem You're supposed to bring to this place your offerings. Ve'et Masrotechem Also the tithe, and that most likely refers to Maser Sheni that we just studied in Revi, Parshat Re'eh, Maser Sheni. Ve'et Trumat Yetchem V'nidurechem V'nidvotechem U'v'chorot Bekarchem V'tzonchem so, of the items that are supposed to be brought on a regular basis to Yerushalayim, we find Maser Sheni, and we also find the firstborn, the Bechorot. Because those laws refer to a yearly obligation, and not just something voluntary, in Parshat Re, we find the commandment to bring the Maser Sheni to eat it in Yerushalayim from the produce, and also to take the firstborn of your animal and bring them to be eaten in Yerushalayim as well. Now we begin chapter 16. And in chapter 16, we're going to find the three pilgrimage holidays, what we refer to as Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So let's begin with the laws of Passover. Chapter 16, Pesach Aleph, verse 1. Pesach Pesach Make sure to keep the month of the spring. And in that month, offer the Pesach sacrifice to Hashem your God. Because in the month of the spring... Hashem, your God, took you out of Egypt in the evening. What does it mean to keep the month of the spring? That's because in the Jewish calendar, we have 12 lunar months, which totals about 354 days. Yet the solar year is 365 days. The Aviv, the spring, has to do with the solar year. How do we make sure that we celebrate Pesach in Nisan in the first month of the Jewish year, but also do it in the spring? The rabbis deduce from here, we cannot begin the new month of Nisan until the days are longer than the nights. And that begins on the solar calendar on the spring equinox, which is March 21st. Should it be that the 12th month is over and we have not reached yet the spring equinox, then the rabbis add an extra month, which is called Ibor Shana, or the second month of Adar. Even though the laws of Korban Pesach were detailed back in Sefer Shmot Perikud Bet in Parshat HaChodesh when we first came out of Egypt, the laws in Sefer Dvarim are going to add another element to those laws that will relate to Hamakom HaShiv HaRashem in our national center in Yerushalayim. You should offer the Korban Pesach to Hashem your God from your sheep and from your cattle. At what place? At the place that God has chosen for His name or reputation to dwell there. There seems to be a problem here that the Korban Pesach, according to this Pasuk, it could be sheep or cattle. That we know from Parsha Dachodesh that the Korban Pesach is supposed to be from the tzon, only from the sheep. So the rabbis understand that the Korban Pesach has to be brought together with the Korban Shlamim to make sure that it is eaten on a full stomach. In order to accomplish that, we also bring a Korban Shlamim together with the Korban Pesach. And that Korban Shlamim can be from Bakar, that can also be from cattle. And that law, the rabbis learn from this Pasuk. Pasuk Gimel, verse 3. Do not eat chametz together with the Korban Pesach. Even though the prohibition of eating chametz begins on the 15th, there's an additional prohibition that you can eat chametz on the 14th at noon from the time that is permitted to shech the Korban Pesach. Chametz is already forbidden. Shivat yamim tohau alav matzot lechem oni. For seven days after bringing Korban Pesach, we eat only matzah. 
And this matzah is referred to as lechem oni, the bread of our affliction. Now there's a famous argument here between Rashi and Ramban, what lechem oni is referring to. Is it called the bread of our affliction because that is the bread that we ate as we were slaves in Egypt? It's a poor man's bread. Or it could be that matzah is an excellent food. It simply doesn't have any leaven, but it doesn't have to taste bad. Instead, Rashi explains that lechem oni is the bread that reminds us of our affliction. As the Pasuk continues to explain, because you were rushed out of Egypt by the Egyptians to remember how you were rushed out of Egypt and you didn't have time for your bread to rise. Instead, you had to bake it as matzah because you were in a rush. And God caused this to happen so you would remember the day you left Egypt all the days of your life. By eating the matzah, we remember our being rushed coming out of Egypt, but it doesn't remind us of the bread that we ate as slaves, but rather it reminds us of the experience leaving Egypt, taking our dough, and being rushed out of Egypt to remember how God redeemed us in a miraculous manner. That's a nice topic for discussion at the Seder. I suggest again that you see the commentators inside in relation to what Lechem Oni is referring to. Pasuk David, Lo not only can you not eat chametz, you cannot see any type of leaven in all of your borders for these seven days. Nor can you let the meat of the Korban Pesach that you offer, you cannot let it stay over after the night to the next day in the morning. Instead, all the meat of the Korban Pesach must be consumed that evening. Chumash wants to make sure that everyone eats to his heart's content. At the Seder, the law is no leftovers to make sure that that meal will be very memorable and no one's going to leave anything for the next day. In Pasuk we're going to go back to our theme of HaMakom HaShoyiv Har Hashem. You cannot offer the Korban Pesach in one of the gates of your cities that Hashem is giving you. Only in the place that Hashem has chosen for His name to dwell there, there you can offer the Korban Pesach in the evening as the sun is setting at the same time when God took you out of Egypt. In other words, at the end of the day of the 14th, right before the 15th of Nisan. Why is this prohibition emphasized in such a manner in Sefer Tvarim? I think the reason is obvious. If you recall the original commandment to bring Korban Pesach in Sefer Shmot, Chumash was adamant that everyone has to bring Korban Pesach, and if you don't bring Korban Pesach, you're Chayv Karet, which is the harshest punishment for not keeping a mitzvah tasei, for not keeping a positive commandment. Therefore, every Jew must bring the Korban Pesach, but it might be very difficult to take that Korban Pesach and bring it in Yerushalayim. In fact, in Egypt, everyone brought the Korban Pesach in their own home. And in Sefer Shemot, it never said that the Korban Pesach had to be offered in Yerushalayim. It would be very easy to conclude that eating Korban Pesach could be done at home, just like it was on the evening that we left Egypt. Therefore, in Sefer Devarim, where the main theme is HaMakom HaShuiv Har Hashem, where commanded Korban Pesach must be eaten in that place, and I might think it's only Lechachila, that the best way to do it would be in Yerushalayim, in HaMakom HaShuiv Har Hashem. But if I can't go there B'diavad, I could bring it at home? No. Chomesh tells us, don't even think about bringing it in your gates of the cities. Don't even think about bringing it at your homes. It can only be offered not only that, I may think that I could offer the Korban Pesach but maybe I can bring the meat home and join there with my family and eat it in the gates of my cities. 
Pasuk Zayin tells us no. Uvishalta veachalta b'makom asherif haradonai elohachabo. You have to cook the meat and eat the meat at the place that Hashem has chosen. Ufanita b'boker v'alachta lo halecha. You can only leave Yerushalayim the next morning and then go back to your tents. We call Korban Pesach must be eaten and consumed that evening. Therefore, not only does the Korban Pesach have to be shechted by Makom Hashirif Harashem, it also must be cooked there and eaten there and there's no way it can be brought to your homes. So in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, the idea that we have nowadays of the Seder was very different. Nowadays, it's a very family event where everyone comes to the homes pretty much like it was in the very first Pesach when we were still in Egypt. In the time of the Beit HaMikdash, it was more of a national event where everyone came to Yerushalayim to the Makom HaSherib Har Hashem and celebrated Korban Pesach together. The first six days of Pesach, we eat matzah without a special Yom Tov. On the seventh day of Pesach, the seventh day of eating matzah is a special gathering and a time to remember Hashem our God, it is forbidden to do any work, it becomes a Yom Tov, what we call Shvisha Pesach, the last day of Passover, or the last day of Chag HaMatzot. So that concludes the laws of Korban Pesach, and as we saw, the main emphasis of these laws is that Korban Pesach can only be brought by Makom Asheriv HaRashem. Now we're going to see a similar law in relation to Shavuot. Pasuk Tet, Shiva Shavuot Tisporlach, you must count seven weeks, when do you start counting? Mehachel chamesh b'kama, when the sicko starts to cut the wheat, tachel lispor shiva shavuot, start counting your seven weeks. To appreciate this law, we have to remember that the grain season in the land of Israel is very short. You can only begin to harvest the grain, first the barley and then the wheat, in late March, early April, which coincides with the holiday of Pesach. And then we're commanded to count those seven weeks until all the grain has been harvested that usually comes out in late May or early, or early June, and make a grain harvest holiday and celebrate to God. So therefore, Chumash tells us to count the seven weeks from the time we begin our grain harvest until it's over. Pasuk Yud, Make a Shvot holiday after these seven weeks to Hashem your God. Give a donation to God and celebrate before Him according to the amount that God has blessed you with your grain harvest. Where do we thank God and where are we going to rejoice? Rejoice before Hashem your God. You, your son and your daughter. Your servant and maidservant. And the Levite who is in your gates, who is living among you. And the stranger, the orphan and the widow who is living in your midst. Where are we going to celebrate? At the place that Hashem has chosen in order for His name to dwell there. Again, in the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. Once again, we find a commandment that relates to HaMakom HaShariv Har Hashem. And just like Korban Pesach was to be brought at that place, so too the celebration of Shavuot, our grain harvest. It's interesting that there's no mention here of the Torah being given even though if you calculate the dates, it's very easy to figure out that seven weeks after Pesach is going to be Shavuot. Instead, Chumash describes this holiday as a grain harvest holiday. Pesach Yudbet is even more difficult. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And make sure to keep and do all of these laws. If we're going to remember an historical event, 
I should say here, remember that God gave us the Torah. Why does the Torah tell us at the conclusion of the loss of Shavuot and Pasuk Yudbet to remember that you were a slave in Egypt? What does that have to do with the grain harvest? The answer is very simple, but very important. It has to do with the, what we read in Pasuk Yud Aleph in relation to who must celebrate this holiday together by Makom HaShariv Har Hashem. Look at the list of people who are commanded to rejoice in front of God. It's you and your son and daughter and your servant and maidservant and the Levite and the stranger and the orphan and the widow. Why couldn't Chumash just say everybody has to celebrate? Because of this last Pasuk, which we've seen many times in Sefer Tvarim, which is always a motivator to do acts of social justice, remember you were a slave in Egypt, there must be something in relation to taking care of the poor and the needy, which has to do with this holiday of the grain harvest. What Chumash seems to be saying is, when you celebrate and thank God for your grain harvest, how do you celebrate? It's not that you are commanded to be happy. You, the farmer, are happy because it's grain harvest season. How do you show God and show your thanks for your harvest? By making those who don't own land and don't have a harvest, by making them happy. If you look carefully at the list of people who you're commanded to rejoice with, they're all people who do not own land. The Levite doesn't have land because he was chosen to work for God. He's your civil servant, your local rabbi and teacher. The stranger doesn't own land because he's a gear. The orphan and widow, even they made own land, they're not able to work the land. Someone might even have taken away, but they probably don't have much of a grain harvest as well. Also, your servant and maidservant. These are all people that become very sad during grain harvest season because everyone that's around them is bringing in their harvest and is naturally happy because it's payday. Those who do not own land feel very sad. Chumash is telling us, how do we thank God for our grain harvest? By sharing our wealth and our bounty with those who are less fortunate who don't have. The proof of this explanation is in Pasuk Yudbet with the motivator, remember you were a slave in Egypt. When you were a slave in Egypt, you did not own your fields. You were working for the Egyptians. Now that you have your own land and you can amass all the wealth that you're able to accumulate by working your land, when you thank God for your grain harvest, make sure to remember those who have less than you. The same theme that we've seen over and over again in the laws of Sefer Tvarim as well in the laws of Pasha Mishpatim. If you want a very interesting insight on this law, take a look in the Rambam. Maimonides in the laws of Yom Tov, in chapter 6, Halacha 18, Perak Vav, Halacha Yudchet, where he talks about the laws of Yom Tov, and he explains, using these psukim, that when we celebrate on Yom Tov, if someone only celebrates with his family and close friends, but doesn't take care of the destitute and the unhappy people in their community, he's not making God happy, he's making his tummy happy. He calls it Simchat Kresel, and not Simchat Mitzvah. A very important Rambam to see, where he takes these psukim and uses them la halacha. Finally, the Aliyah will conclude with the laws of Sukkot and Pasuk Yudyamu with a very similar theme. Chag Sukkot taselacha shivat yamim Celebrate the holiday of Sukkot for seven days. Bospacham bigoncha umikvecha At what time of year? When you gather from your threshing floor and from your wine presses, that is time to celebrate now your fruit harvest the seventh month of Tishrei is the end of the summer. Most of the fruit has already grown and fallen from the tree. So we gather our fruits at the end of the summer. And hence the holiday is called Chag Asif. Just like we thank God before for our grain harvest, now we must thank Him for our fruit harvest. Pasuk Yedalad, V'samachta b'chagecha, you must celebrate and be happy on your holiday. Again, we find the same list. You and your son and your daughter and your servant and your maidservant. Levi and the Levite. 
and the stranger, the orphan, and the widow who live in your gates. Shivat Yamim celebrate for seven days before Hashem your God, at the place that Hashem has chosen, as we said before, because Hashem your God has blessed you with all the produce of your land and all the work and the acts of your hands, and even you should be happy. In other words, you must be happy and how to show and how do you rejoice before God by sharing your fruit harvest and your wealth and bounty with those who do not have. And then once you've done that, even you can be happy now that you've fulfilled that commandment. Sometimes the way we sing this song, we begin with the beginning of Pasuk Yodalad and conclude the song with the end of Pasuk Tedvav and we skip the most important part. Our rejoicing in front of God is primarily accomplished by making others happy and not only by making ourselves happy. Now we find a summary Pasuk for this entire unit. During these three times of the year, these Shalosh Regalim, all of the males of Israel must be seen before Hashem your God in the place that Hashem has chosen. What are these three holidays? And when you come on these three pilgrimage holidays, do not come empty-handed. Instead, you must bring a korban. In the Mishnah, we refer to this as Olat Riyah v'Shamei Chagiga. When you make Aliyah the Regal, you have to bring a korban Ola, a burnt offering, and a Shlamin, an offering which we eat. How much you have to bring, you'll find in the Mishnayot in Masechet Chagiga. Ish kamatna yodo. How much do you bring? As much as any person would like to bring. And according and proportionate to the blessing that Hashem your God has given you, make sure to give a gift to God, which is according to what you have brought in, to show your thanks and gratitude to God, who is the reason why you have land, and the underlying reason why you were able to bring in your harvest. That concludes our study of Parshatur A. If we go back to our original question, why was this Torah reading chosen for all the days that we celebrate two days Yom Tov, on the extra day we read from this section, it could be because the main topic here is Hamakom HaShayib Har Hashem, the place that God has chosen for Shekhinah to dwell, those Jews living in Chutzlaret, celebrating the holiday, need a reminder where they should be and where the holiday should be celebrated. So it could be for that reason, this Torah reading was chosen for those three times of the year. In Parshat Shoftim, the topic of Hamakom HaShayib Har Hashem will continue and that will become the ultimate authority for all judgments and all rulings in regard to the Torah. And that topic will begin in Parshat Shoftim.